Good evening and welcome to the Small Business Matters Podcast, the only podcast that truly matters to small business. My name is Tim Fulton, the founder, chief evangelist for Small Business Matters, and I am your host for this podcast. My co-host is Taylor Fulton, the director of marketing for Small Business Matters. Hello, Taylor. Hey, good to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm here in Atlanta. Uh, Taylor, you're in Kansas City. Has has winter hit the Midwest yet? Uh, winter is not quite here. We've had our first dose of cool weather the past few days, and uh, certainly a gloomy Halloween here, but nothing too bad yet. And the best news is what starts the first part of next week? Yes. Yeah, so for, for fans in the Kansas area, we, we transition from football season to basketball season, which uh, is quite a big deal. Thank goodness. It's been a tough football season, hasn't it? Uh, well, if you don't watch the games, it's not that tough. So not too bad. <laughs> All right. Well, t- Taylor, I'm very excited because this evening we have not only a good friend of Small Business Matters, but one of the most talented uh, financial professionals for small businesses that I know. And that's Mike Iverson, the principal of Trillium Financial. Mike, are you there? I am. Mike, it's really a a pleasure and a privilege to have you uh, with us uh, this evening. And uh, why don't we start off and and, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about your professional background prior to doing what you're doing now. How did you get to where you are today? Sure. Well, again, thank you for inviting me, Tim. And Taylor, I look forward to the talk today, and hopefully uh, your listeners will get a little bit of something out of it. My background, uh, I started off um, in auditing, actually, as an accountant with uh, a large firm called KPMG. But back in the day, it had a much different name um, a long, long time ago. And I did that for a number of years and then decided that I wanted to get out into private industry. And when I did, I stayed in the line of uh, financial um, positions, starting off as a controller uh, at a company, eventually graduating up to a CFO of a small business. Um, and it was a company that had, at the time, less than 20 employees and uh, less than a couple million dollars in sales, actually. And that's kind of where I sunk my teeth in uh, to uh, really kind of take things with small businesses and try to grow uh, A lot of fun. One thing I do remember about that, which was uh, uh, an interesting little story, is starting there. I'll never forget it was the first week, and um, I had one person on my staff who happened to be out because of uh, maternity leave. And then we had some part-time staff, but I remember going into the owner, and he uh, said, Mike, I got some, some a file for you. And he pulls open his drawer, and he hands me a stack of uh, what looks like you know, maybe some papers. But he says, here's a few bills that we need to take care of. Maybe you can find a way to do that. So uh, it was my first jump into how do you manage cash flow for a small business. Uh, it was a lot of uh, lot of fun, though. And from there, um, I went on to some other uh, financial gigs. With uh, one was what I call the dot bomb or the dot com. Oh, did I say dot bomb? I did, didn't I? <laughs> it was. It, it. I wrote it up and I wrote it down. Uh, but it was a lot of fun because I learned a lot of different things about raising money, uh, working with a startup. Um, building product, and then um, having a chance to also see, you know, what worked and what didn't work. And it was after that that I actually then get started on my current journey, which is a financial consultant for small businesses. Um, And I've been blessed uh, along the way to be also uh, working with several other folks, uh, businessmen who were partners together in um, 
in some firms that we've uh, built from scratch, build them up, and then exit, and then try again. So, um, but that's me in a nutshell up through today. So, Mike, I know when I introduce you, oftentimes I introduce you as a interim CFO, and sometimes when I when I share that with people, they look at me like, "What in the world are you talking about?" So help our listeners understand, what is it that you do for your clients? What is an interim CFO? Sure. Well, then, uh, with an interim CFO, uh, you can even think of it as a rent-a-CFO or a CFO for, for hire. Hard time. Um, I'm not on the staff of the business that I'm working with. I am their advisor. And I think of it as uh, CFO leadership so that I can mentor the uh, management team or the business owner the uh, strategic financial pieces of their business and what drives it. Uh, so I'm really a consultant that comes in um, independent of the uh, organization and can act as that advisor at that CFO strategic thinking level. Um, and it kind of depends on the client. Some clients have a little more heavy lifting than others. Some just need that financial mentorship and others uh, need a little bit more hands-on best practices for running their uh, financial and accounting departments. So, Mike, what's an example of that typical arrangement where you're acting as, as an interim CFO? Sure. So, uh, one of the things that I do today with uh, a number of my clients is at the end of each month, we review a set of uh, specific KPIs or financial metrics that we measure. Um, and as a part of that, too, we develop a financial forecast model that's custom to each client. And that model is essentially what we call our financial roadmap. So we can see where we've been, but then where are we headed? And so uh, what we do is we pull that all together. And then at the end of the month, we sit down for several hours and we discuss the numbers. We look at the KPIs that we're measuring that are pertinent to us and the business. Um, and then we look at the forecast and see how have we done. And then the forecast also gives us visibility to see where we're going for the rest of the year based on our uh, assumptions. And when those assumptions change, then we change them. Uh, sometimes in those meetings, we'll sit there and we'll discuss things. Uh, some of the market has shifted or new competition has come in or we're going to roll out a new product in the next two, three months and we need to make certain investments. Or things have changed and we've got to you know, cut back on some things that we thought we were going to do. So the, the meeting is really kind of a, a very much nuts and bolts. Uh, it gives us a chance to connect not only even at a financial level, but sometimes even on a more operational level. One of the things that I, I hope I can bring to the table is not just the finance side of it, but having helped start companies and build them up and run them. You get to see the operational things. You get to see the sales and marketing and how that all intertwines together. And so through that meeting, we we typically come out of actions that we want to take in the next 30 days, the next 60 days, and sometimes for the next six months. And we do that on a regular basis because when you sit there and you have to um, look at your numbers each month on a regular basis, it's for me, the old adage is what gets measured gets done. And that seems to have proved fairly well for my clients. Hmm. Well, Mike, I know firsthand that you provide a, a great service to your clients. Uh, remind remind our listeners, you're listening to the Small Business Matters podcast, the only podcast that truly matters to small business. Our guest today is Mike Iverson, managing partner of Trillium Financial. 
Mike, uh, working with small business owners, if there's one area of their business that I find maybe they make the most mistakes and, and, and understand the least, it's the financial part of their business. So I'm curious, what are some of the more common mistakes? And these, these mistakes can be deadly. What are some of the mistakes that you find, typical mistakes that you find small business owners make with their, with their finances? Sure. That's a great question. Um, and sometimes it'll depend on the owner, but um, one that, that I see uh, more often than, than not is they're not quite sure. It's more of a black box for them. So they tend to look at what we label as the profit and loss statement. And what they go to is, okay, am I growing? Okay, great. If my sales have increased, good. Do I have a positive bottom line? Good. Yeah, it's, it looks like it's positive, or at least it's mostly positive. That's good. So I've, I've got a profit. And that's a great starting point. But if you're only looking at that one report from a financial measurement, you've missed well over half the picture because you still have two other areas to deal with. You've got a balance sheet that also impacts your cash, and you have a cash flow statement that impacts your cash and how to read that. And so what I find is that without reading those other statements and understanding uh, what drives the cash, because at the end of the day, cash is king, and it's the one thing that makes a difference in the ability of a company to sustain itself and reinvest and grow. Mm. And so I find oftentimes that um, that gets missed. They just look at the one, because that's the one thing they understand. And then when you start to connect the dots for them and say, well, there's more to it than just the profit, because that profit's not cash especially if you give credit to your customers and inventory. You've, you've invested in your inventory, but uh, if it's not turning over very well, well, you've got a lot of cash tied up in that inventory. So that's where I find sometimes business owners will make the mistake of going, I'm doing well. And then um, you'll hear at the end of the year, wow, my tax accountant said I owe a bunch of taxes and I have no cash to pay him. Yeah, that's certainly a, uh, a difficult situation to be in and, probably one that many small business owners and entrepreneurs find themselves. In your experience and in just being a finance guy, uh, what are some of your favorite KPIs to track specifically related to small business and small business owners? Sure. You know, I was thinking about uh, this a little bit. And when I step into a company, each company is going to have really about eight drivers, KPIs. Now, there's going to be some others because it depends on the business. If they're a professional services firm, there's going to be some KPIs that we'll probably measure that are not the same as a distribution company or a manufacturer. But uh, when you look at some of the KPIs, what, what where does it all start? It starts with sales. So are we growing? Is sales growing? And in sales, it's, there's two components, price and volume. So how's our pricing and what's volume look like? And so your top line is going to grow either via price change or it's going to grow via volume change. The other piece is gross profit margin. Many businesses have gross profit and cost of goods sold is the materials and products that you have sold to your customers. So how well do I buy my materials? Um, am I getting a good margin on the price that I'm selling my products for? Uh, another KPI we look at is sales as a percentage of overhead. Um, overhead is needed to be able to support the organization. So overhead, what is that? Well, that can be your human resources, your accounting and finance, that's your sales and marketing. That's all the other components that help you drive uh, your top line. 
i.e. sales and drive sales out. Um, and so we measure that as a percent of sales. And the whole concept there is the smaller that number, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means I'm going to drive better profit by having that as a percentage uh, as low as possible. And then we measure uh, a term that's called earnings. Or I'll, I'll just say the acronym. The acronym is EBITDA, mm-hmm. and that means earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. And the reason that's important is it's a percentage that helps you guide to say, how profitable am I? And it's the measure that also starts the conversation of cash flow. Your EBITDA will be sort of a uh, what some uh, you'll hear some bankers talk about, some other finance professionals talk about. That's your proxy, as they say, for starting cash flow. It's not pure cash flow, but it starts the conversation. So that percentage you want also to be as high as possible. So you mm-hmm. want your overhead percentage as low as possible, and you want that EBITDA percentage to be as high as possible. So we look at that. Um, and then we look at um, collections for our accounts receivables. So if we offer terms to our customers, we want to make sure we get paid as fast as possible. So if we do offer terms, we want to make sure that it doesn't go beyond that. So the faster we collect, the better. Then we also have, if we're a business that sells a product that we either manufacture or we buy and distribute, inventory is another key. So we don't want to have inventory sitting in our warehouse or uh, storage facility for too long because that's cash we've paid for. It. We don't want to tie that mm-hmm. cash up because we want to get that out and sell it. So we want to make sure we turn our inventory over as fast as possible. And then we also have another KPI for accounts payable. How quickly do we pay our bills? Mm-hmm. Uh, the ability to stretch out our ability to pay our bills helps us keep our cash longer. The longer we get to keep our cash, the better because if we're uh, intentional about our business and reinvestment, then we can take that cash and reinvest in that business and make it grow. The uh, last thing we look at is capital expenditures, which is another way of saying fixed asset purchases. Mm-hmm. Every business has a need to make sure that they reinvest into their infrastructure. Uh, it could be computers. It could be um, the equipment you use to manufacture or distribute your products. You want to make sure that stays up to date. Um, and if it doesn't, then um, that'll also impact your top line. So those are the some of the mm. key, like about eight drivers for the most part that I know for most every business I'm going to look at. But there's some mm-hmm. others that would be more custom depending on the business. Wow, that's, that's very helpful. And you reminded me of one of my favorite quotes, and I, I hope I get this right. Uh, it goes like this, sales is vanity, profit is reality, and cash is sanity. And you have yeah. you have reinforced that if, if if we run out of cash, we go insane, don't we? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's um, I think if, if some folks uh, it was an infamous, obviously in the history of some scandals was Enron, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the things that folks were always looking at, including the analysts, was their profits. Well, that was great. You know, they're looking at again that one dimensional. Uh, area called profits, but they failed to look at their operating cash flow, yeah. and that was going south hmm. very fast to the point where when they did go belly up, people were like, well, how did that happen? Well, when you look at their operating cash flow, it turned negative. Now, Mike, uh, uh, switching directions here for just a minute, I have it on good word that that recently you have been 
in your laboratory working on a, a new product for not only your clients, but maybe uh, prospective clients to help them better understand the, the financial uh, part of their business. Tell us a little bit as much as you can about this new product. I'm intrigued. Yeah, sure. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's one of the things that uh, I've been using my own um, software. It's really it's all been developed in Excel over the years. And over the last few years, it's kind of gotten to where it's very common. It's, it's I don't know what you want to call it, maybe not systematized, but um, a process that I noticed was being repeated. And it was working uh, very effectively for my clients. And I said, you know, at the end of the day, you know, instead of sending them, you know, individual worksheets or me working off of individual files off of Excel, what if I put this up as an app that my clients can look for 24-7 that would give them the same information we do today um, with some other um, bells and whistles that would go along with it, such as the ability to do what-if uh, calculations for cash flow hmm. uh, and the financial drivers that we just talked about, what would that look like? And make it as easy and as simple as possible. Because if there's one thing that was drilled into me was a client years ago was running about a $40 million IT services firm. And I was developing a financial model for him. And I was, of course, I was like that Excel jockey. I was making all kinds of spreadsheets. There were details. There was employee listings. There was client listings with you know, calculations all through like at least about 20 different worksheets. And we, we sat down and looked at it. He says, well, this is, this is great, but really all I needed was something that was much higher level, Mike, that would, you know, simply synchronize everything uh, very simply, um, break it down so that I can see it visually on one page. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you could just do some real quick what ifs. So if you change sales percentage by this, what's that look like? If you change your gross margin percentage for like this, what does that look like for cash, et cetera? So he taught me a lesson that all that detail is fine if you're really building a internal 12 month budget. But mm-hmm. when you're trying to create something that's really a roadmap to look at, not just this year, but ensuing years, and you're looking at it from just a what-if capability scenario, stay up there much higher level, stay well above 10,000 feet, mm-hmm. um, and see the forest instead of just walking through mm-hmm. the forest and only seeing the trees. Mike, that sounds like a, a powerful tool, and it sounds like you're taking all the fun out of small business. You're taking all the guesswork out of uh, what are my finances. <laughs> I don't know about that. No, probably yeah. not even close. Uh, yeah. If anything, I learn more from my clients, I think, uh, uh, than I probably they get from me. Um, <laughs> you know, the one thing that um, I've learned over the years uh, through my experience with Vistage and through our relationship, Tim, and, and some others is, and I read a book recently that I really enjoyed uh, called The Coaching Habit. It, uh, it really says to say less, ask more, and uh, be curious. And I think through that process, you really can then get to the meat of the issue uh, for a client uh, financially and otherwise. Mike, rumor has it that you have a a unique annual sabbatical. Can you tell our audience a little bit about that? Sure, sure. Um, So the inspiration behind that was actually Tim. And uh, we were 
chatting and, 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 and Tim, I know, uh, was taking a sabbatical for the first time. And so what we did was we actually went through, I think, uh, there was a series of articles and I can't remember if it was a book, but I do recall we spent some time talking about how important uh, a sabbatical is because it allows a business owner to step back and look at things very differently and refresh themselves because if you're running and gunning all the time, you're not really getting a chance to, to have the think time. Um, and folks like uh, Henry Ford, I think uh, Ben Franklin, and I think another one was Charles Schwab, the CEO of uh, United Steel, U.S. Steel. Mm-hmm. All of them had indicated that you've got to have some time to step back and think. I think even Henry Ford, the quote is something along the lines of he wanted to see some managers with their feet kicked up on the table staring out the window Hmm. because they were thinking. They were thinking about what is it that I need to do to help improve the business or improve what my team is doing. And so the sabbatical is a time where I take uh, today about three or four weeks off. Uh, some of it is with family travel, which is important because it gives you a chance to reconnect with family. Because during the year you're you're you know kind of head down and, and uh, into the businesses, so it gives you a chance to connect with them because that's important. The relationships with family and and friends and colleagues, um, because those, even those experiences can enrich you and actually spark some thinking that uh, you might not otherwise do if you're always kind of in the one dimensional business frame of mind. So it's really given me a chance to also do that, to goal set, to see, you know, am I improving? Am I hitting my goals? If I'm not, why not? It also gives me a chance to read. I like the quote, and I don't know who put it out there, but the quote is, leaders are readers. So one of the things that I know that has been uh, foremost in the recent years with some of my uh, membership with Vestige and Tim is the fact that reading a lot of different books that are not just business books, but they're also on other subjects. Um, they could be personal development. They could be time management, but they could also be just, you know, nonfiction or fiction. Um, and so that way you kind of keep yourself well-rounded. So the sabbatical really helps me, uh, I think, in terms of strategically thinking about not only my own business, but my clients as well. Well, my kudos to you for dedicating that time to yourself and to the growth of your practice and, and certainly to your to your family. So now we're going to go into my favorite part of the podcast, and it's the rapid-fire questions. Mike, are you ready? I'm ready. Shoot away. All right, Taylor, take it away. All right, Mike, we'll start with an easy one. What is your favorite podcast to date? Well, besides Small Business Matters, um, <laughs> for sure, uh, you know, I've listened to, I, I'm a podcast junkie. Uh, Tim has heard this, so that's why uh, uh, I, I've learned a lot from him. Uh, two of them I really like. I like the one that Tim Ferriss does, which uh, he focuses on life design. So it's not, he interviews all kinds of folks from business uh, titans to actual personal fitness to nutrition. And so I, I enjoy that. And then I also enjoy a podcast by Paula Pant called Afford Anything which is actually um, along the lines of the financial independence movement. And I guess it is a dear to my heart because I try to, you know, with my business owners and clients, you know, if there's one goal I can have is for them to have the financial independence and options to do what they want to do as an individual. um, And then also as a family that they have, and also to give those options to their employees too. 
Excellent. Mm. Yeah, I, w- I would classify myself as a podcast junkie too, and the, the Tim Ferriss podcast is one I've enjoyed for for quite some time. Along those similar lines, what would you say are some of your favorite business books? You know, uh, two come to mind. Uh, one that I uh, really liked uh, called The E-Myth, uh, and The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. It's an excellent book. Great uh, book that shows you that ordinary businesses can become extraordinary when they put in systems and processes in place. So it really rang true for me. And then another one I really enjoyed, and I believe this is one that Tim uh, had recommend, called Small Giants by Bo Burlingham. Mm-hmm. And I love that book because they talk about that it's not necessarily growth for growth's sake. These companies that are in the book Small Giants, they want to be the best. They don't necessarily have to be the biggest, but they want to be the best version of the business that they can be in the market that they serve. Mike, I, I think you've got a, a book in you one day. I'm looking forward to, to, to seeing it. Taylor, I don't know if I shared with you that, that Mike is a dad. He has three daughters. In fact, he has triplets, three high school seniors. Can you imagine? No. <laughs> yeah, yes, indeed. They're lovely girls, and it's, uh, it is a pivotal pivotal year for them, but uh, it'll be a big change for mom and dad uh, as they uh, leave the nest next year. Absolutely. Mm. So, so on that note, what would you say is some uh, good advice for any dad out there listening? Oh, wow. You know, um, the one thing that kind of comes to mind is, and hopefully I do this with uh, my girls and my family and, and uh, with clients, but it's really just you know, servant leadership and lead by example. Just do, say less, listen more. So if that's uh, that's probably the best advice. And of course, when you're surrounded by a family of girls who are you know very um, strong, they have strong characters and strong opinions. You you need to listen. <laughs> and so I do. Great advice. And, and Taylor, something else that I found out about Mike that he doesn't talk much about is that when he was young, he was a nationally ranked tennis player and played in a lot of, lot of tournaments. And as, as an avid tennis player myself, I've, I've challenged him a few times, but I, I think he's afraid to get out there with me. Indeed. <laughs> That's a long, long time ago. I tell you what, it's, uh, but I, I tell you the one thing that's the best thing that ever came along for me in tennis was when they, when they invented the big racket. The big racket. <laughs> that for me was just like, all right, now I can actually hit the ball. <laughs> so outside of the big racket, are there any secret tennis tips you'd be willing to share? Oh gosh, you know, um, yeah, it's it's been so long, but I'll tell you one thing that a, um, a coach did tell me, and it was frustrating at the time but he was correct he's like you know what you need to do son is you need to get out there and you need to play above your abilities so i want you to go out there and i want you to challenge match kids and and fellow colleagues who are better than you and you might get cream but that's okay because you're going to improve and from that you're going to learn things too and he was absolutely right although it was humbling but it was it was the right advice, and and it would then help me up my game. Uh, and I know I, I know Tim does that. He'll get out there and he will raise the level of his game because he's going to play up and play those players that are uh, you know where he wants to seek to be. Well, the problem I have is it's not hard for me to find better players because it seems like everyone is better than I am. 
So that, that, that's, that's not been a challenge. Mike, I can't believe how fast the time has gone and so many takeaways for our listeners from you know the importance of key performance indicators and tracking profitability and making sure we not only look at the income statement but also pay equal attention to the balance sheet, doing the, the what-if analysis and, and the, the new tool that you come out uh, with for that. And just avoiding the, the mistakes, what can be critical mistakes if we're not careful in managing the finances of our business. So what's the best way if our listeners would like to contact you? What's the easiest? What's the best way for them to, to find you? Easiest way if they want to reach out, um, they can find a, a link for uh, an email to me uh, at www.trilliumfinancial.com. So that's like the flower. You know, Tia's and Tom, you know, R's and Robert, I's and Iverson, two L's like Larry, and then two, and an I is an Iverson, umfinancial.com. So if they go to the website, they can learn a little bit more about me. There's a, a, a link to an email address, and uh, they can uh, contact me. Be happy to help in any way I can, or, or just shoot me a line, you know, and, and uh, let me know what's going on. I'd love to hear. Well, and I can reinforce that for our listeners. Mike has always been uh, so supportive of my clients and the people who just have questions and, and willingness to work with them uh, that I, I certainly thank you. And I, I know many of our listeners probably will, will at some point have that same opportunity. So, Mike, thank you so much for being on Small Business Matters. And I hope one day you'll, you'll come back and be with us again. Well, it's been a real pleasure. I appreciate it. Thank you, Taylor. Thank you, Tim. It's been an honor to be a part of the team here. All right, Taylor, we're, we're going to start to wind down, but uh, I think we got a few announcements. Let's see. Uh, the newsletter. Has the newsletter gone out recently? Yes, the October newsletter was distributed today, which is October 31st. Hmm. And once listeners um, are accessing this episode, they can expect the November newsletter to probably go out the, the week before Thanksgiving. Terrific. So newsletter went out today. Also want to remind our listeners that the Small Business Matters Boot Camp 2019 will kick off uh, the third week of January. And if you're interested in the Small Business Matters Boot Camp, please uh, contact me and I'll be happy to answer your questions and, and, and help you better understand how the boot camp might be a good program for you to kick off the, the new year in 2019. Taylor, this was a, a, a good segment. Great to have Mike on the show with us. Any, any final words for our listeners? Uh, no final words. Uh, I think we covered everything. I, I really enjoyed Mike's conversation. And, and I think our listeners, um, especially because finance can be a, a kind of a difficult concept to grab unless you're uh, well-versed in the area. Hopefully I, hopefully everyone got a, some value out of it and, and it'll spark some engagement. Great. So in closing, I want to thank our, our listeners for tuning in to the Small Business Matters podcast. It's the only podcast that truly matters to small business. May each of you continue to pursue all that matters. Thank you. <laughs>